Welcome to the Aboisi Wine Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clinton Lee. Welcome to the Aboisi Wine Buzz interview. Today's guest is Amanda McCrossan. She is a wine media influencer, personality. She is also the former press wine director and the Napa Valley Insider. Now, there's so much more to Amanda. So, Amanda, would you share with us those inner secrets and let our viewers know a little bit more about you? Of course. Well, happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm Amanda McCrossin. I was born and raised outside of Philadelphia, where I'm joining you from right now, which is not normally my home. But I uh, I caught the wine bug while I was living in New York City. My background is actually in film and TV and musical theater. That's what my my degree is in. So I caught the wine bug when I was living in Manhattan and was trained by a, a sommelier who really encouraged me early on to pursue a career in wine. And I was very, very lucky to have met him so early into my career and have a lot of doors opened. But long story short, I, I ended up uh, running a program in New York and then got the opportunity to move out to California to work with the Press Wine List in St. Helena. And Press at the time had the largest, deepest collection of Napa Valley wines in the world for a restaurant. And it was being helmed by Scott Brenner and Kelly White. And Kelly, of course, has gone on to do incredible things, as has Scott. But Kelly is, of course, famous for writing the Napa Valley Then and Now book. And uh, it's it's really a comprehensive, almost comprehensive guide to the Napa Valley and really dives into vintages of old Napa Valley wine, which is what we were opening day in and day out at the restaurant. So I had the great privilege of spending years diving into old vintages of Chapelet and Ingle Nook and the original vintages of BV made by Andre Telechev. Um, so I had a, a, a really great time there. And that's really where my career started to blossom uh, as a sommelier. And then also at the same time, I started my my now business, my full-time business, which is Somme Vivant. So I have a an Instagram and a YouTube channel, and I am a, a wine communicator. And you just listed off my bio, which is way too long for my liking. Um, but it really is kind of tough to figure out what it is I actually do these days. You know, Amanda, you are not only humble as you are glamorous, effervescent, <laughs> and you certainly spark that interest in wine. Now, you mentioned that um, there was a certain individual that uh, really, would you say, ignited you to get into this wine career? Absolutely. I, I was lucky to be working at a place called The Core Club. It was on 55th between Park and Madison. You'd walk by it a million times if you didn't know it was there, but it is a, a premier and private exclusive club for very wealthy people. And I was, of course, working a side job, as most actresses do. And he was a sommelier that had worked at Le Bernardin. He had worked all over the world, really. And he had started at Core Club. And I just sort of poked at him one night. And I had questions about wine, being a 25-year-old girl, not knowing anything about the world. But I loved food. And I loved traveling. But wine was just this thing that I, I hadn't quite gotten a grip on yet. And so I started asking him some questions. And he took that as his opportunity to open up the world. And he asked me a few questions back and said, come back with the answers tomorrow and we'll continue the conversation. And that really was what sparked everything. We just started having these conversations and he took me under his wing and 
uh, also took the liberty of enrolling me in classes for the American Sommelier Association. Uh, so I, before I knew it, I was I was spending every every Monday morning for about three hours in a viticulture and, and uh, vinification class, and found myself completely completely enamored with the topic and and with the subject. So. It was an incredibly difficult amount of study because a lot of it was self-study, as, as so many wine professionals will know, but I loved it. It really, it was never ending and it was all-encompassing. I got to learn about so many things around the world. And then, of course, you're drinking incredible wine and tasting things you'd never have access to. So yes, it, it was it was he that that got me into it and, and was really responsible for that initial push. So I think the world of uh, wine uh, media and uh, uh, the, the podcasts, uh, we, we should give a huge thanks to, to this person because, you know, after rattling off uh, uh, an, an array of spectacular wines and wineries, you know, we have to stop our sort of salivation because you've had that experience. And... Um, I know through my own personal experience that when you are learning about wine, it, it creates a sort of insatiable desire to want to learn more and more. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you are involved in that, you, you become more perceptive to, to people's tastes, and I'm sure you have. So, you know, although you're from Philadelphia, which is, you know, one of the very um, sort of uh, premier and, and highly respected cities in the United States. And then you have the Big Apple, you know, New York City, very close by. Amanda, share with us what major differences that you noticed in the consumer wine selection in New York City as compared to Napa. What was the mm. main differences? It's such a great question because there are huge differences. Although I think Maybe as the years have gone on, the differences are, are getting less and less, especially as the lines are being blurred in terms of styles of winemaking. But mm -hmm. to be perfectly candid, when I started as a sommelier learning about wine in New York City, it really wasn't a cool thing, so to speak, to be drinking Napa Valley wines. I mean, New York is so European-focused. I cut my teeth on the great Bordeaux and Burgundy, Italian, Champagne, even the the small producers in the Loire Valley. I mean, New York is a place where most of those European wines are hitting first before they make it out to California, with, of course, various exceptions. But it really is the hub to drink European wine in the United States. And so as a sommelier and, of course, as a consumer by extension – it is a place that really dives into European wine and embraces it in a way that uh, I have never seen anywhere else in the country. Now, Napa is sort of a, a different place. I mean, it's it's a place that is, of course, you know, Californians want to drink what's in their own backyard. But living in Napa Valley, you do have access to wines that are made in California that you don't have access to in New York City. And so... I made the mistake while I was living in New York City, of course, unbeknownst to me at the time, of thinking that California wines, and specifically Napa Valley, were all one sort of monolith. They they were all mm. one thing, all made in the same style, big, heavy alcohols, you know, big tannins, you know, sort of these big monstrosities that were intended to be paired with 
steaks and, you know, consumed it with big meals, big lavish meals. But when I moved out to Napa Valley and I started really digging into not only the styles of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but also diving into producers that you know, were a little bit smaller, that really weren't seeing the exposure or getting the exposure that other bigger wineries were getting in New York oh. City, I realized that there really was a broad array of different winemaking styles and there was so much more to California than I had experienced. And so that mistake that I made was one that I was quickly humbled by as I lived in California and started drinking these wines. But California, you know, Napa Valley, it's it's made up of mostly wine professionals. So of course we drink what's in our own backyard, but we're also insatiable in terms of our curiosity for wanting to taste lots of different things. So you, you'd be hard pressed to go to any sort of winemaker's house or or dinner with wine professionals and see, you know, anything but a broad array or, or, you know, representation of the entire world on the table. So you'll see Burgundy, you'll see Champagne, but you'll definitely see what's being made in Napa Valley as well. And I think that's really special and really what has allowed me to expand my own personal palate is drinking all of these wines and looking at them with a, a broader lens. Certainly. So there's that unquestionable pride that, you know, Napa Valley vintners take in, in appreciating their wine, and quite rightly so. I mean, movies like Bottle Shock, you know, The Judgment of Paris, uh, they've all really brought to the consumer the forefront of Napa Valley, which is now a highly respected um, wine area. Now, Amanda, you've been featured on Food and Wine magazine Food Network, the cover of Somme Journal, and most recently by the wine enthusiast as the Wine Star nominee for Somalia of the Year. So what do you feel contributed to all of this? What There's certain elements of success. And to me, you know, you are the rising star of the next generation. You know, what contributed to that success and what advice would you give to the cohorts that are going to follow you? Wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I think I learned quickly, but maybe too late that the only way that I was going to survive in this industry was by being open-minded, by being aware that you're never going to know everything and it's okay to not know everything. In fact, that's where the fun lives in this industry is in yes. not knowing everything. So my advice would be to remain curious, remain open-minded, allow yourself the opportunity to think outside the confines or the constraints of what people tell you and form your own opinions about things. I think one of the things that we do very quickly, because whether we like to admit it or not, wine can be a very unnerving topic. It's a, it's a subject that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. And not knowing it sort of makes us feel less than or you know feels feel like an outsider so living in that space and knowing that it's okay to not know things and go through your career knowing that eventually you'll know a little bit more and then a little bit more and then a little bit more i think is the way that you really become a, a well-rounded wine professional um you know my success i i don't know what i attribute it to i i feel like i worked hard but i also feel like i had a lot of luck i met a lot of people Living in Napa Valley is certainly one of the epicenters of wine in the United States, if not the epicenter. And so I, I was very fortunate to meet people that opened a lot of doors. But I also was, I feel like, very receptive to that. I feel like I um, I asked a lot of questions and I and I, 
I I hope that I can repay the favors that people have paid to me. So, you know, the other thing is I, I came up through the the acting, you know, the acting background that I had. And, and so I'm used to a lot of rejection. So I guess that's that's maybe part of it as well as being, you know, knowing that people are going to say no probably more times than they're going to say yes. And that's okay too. Yes. But, you know, I think your your musical background, theatrical background, you know, that has given you fortitude. It's given you the determination and the, the, the unyielding uh, strength to say, you know what, if I'm rejected, that's fine. I'm going to continue forward. So um, I know that uh, it's inevitable that your star will continue rising, you know, Amanda. Thank now, you. having been on the inside, as it were, in Napa Valley, you worked there for the last couple of years. What, were, in your opinion, was the effect of the earthquake and the fires over the last number of years on the wines? Yeah, I you know, the earthquake uh, was actually just before I landed in Napa Valley. But when I arrived, it was obviously something that people were still talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as for the fires, I mean, that was 2017. So that was two years after I, I got there. Um, I think, you know, what it did in the short term was remind what both of them did was reminded us all that we are at the mercy of Mother Nature always. And it, it isn't just weather. <laughs> it is sometimes it's fires, sometimes it's earthquakes. And living in California, you're, you're definitely susceptible to all of those things. Uh, as far as, you know, what the effects will be, I think we're, we're always looking for new opportunities to reinvent ourselves. If you look at the history of Napa Valley, that's been an ongoing theme for the last century and a half, whether it's phylloxera or prohibition or economic struggle. We've always sort of had these things that have happened that were, of course, negative at the time, but that we emerged with a silver lining. And I think the fires, the earthquake, perhaps even COVID will all be things that, you know, help to reshape and re-identify us as a region. I think one of the really, really cool things about California Napa Valley is our ability to be our own thing. You know, we're not hindered by the history and some of the the laws that exist in other regions. And so we have that opportunity to literally rise from the ashes like a phoenix, right? You know, and I think um I think that is a it's an opportunity that we all take advantage of. We all work together as a community. I think it's one of the most trite and oversaid things, but it is so true. It is an incredibly tight-knit community that we that we have in Napa Valley all over California. You go to any wine region in California, they'll say the same thing. We all help each other. We're all family. We all work together. There are no secrets. There are no private things that we don't share with others. We're always here to help a lending hand, and we saw that every single time with every fire, whether it was in Sonoma or Mendocino or Napa Valley or Paso. We're all here to help each other. So I think that's a, a really a really great thing to see in, in times of crisis. And then in terms of the actual wines themselves, you know, there's so much that we don't know about smoke taint. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still learning. We're still trying to understand. We're still trying to borrow information from Australia, who has, of course, been through this many, many times before. But as far as what will happen with the actual wines, you know, I think 2020 uh, is going to be a very difficult vintage to release for a lot of producers. I, you know, I've already heard that many producers will not be releasing a 2020. So I guess, I guess we'll see. I think, I think that is one of those things that you know we'll just 
we'll just have to be ready if it if they if the wine's released then great and if they don't then that's mother so nature for you so be it. that's what the wine gods decide <laughs> exactly yeah no I, I i agree with you you know the sentiments that that you have expressed uh, amanda that you know the community um the togetherness it resonates i believe not only within the the napa valley wine community but certainly in many wine communities around the world Whenever there are students or there are guests that I'm giving a talk to, I always say to them that having been in several different industries, it is the wine industry where you find some of the most pleasant and warm-hearted and welcoming community. Of course, one does have the rather obnoxious characters, which one will always have. <laughs> but generally, I, I'm sure you, you would agree with me on that. Um, uh, absolutely. And aren't we both so lucky to be working in this industry? I, I think uh, we must have done something right in, in our lives before. So, so yes, indeed. So, you know, you mentioned uh, how when you started your studies and you learned about wine and you've drunk so many different wines from various countries and continents, would you say that through wine, your understanding and knowledge of the world its history and customs and culture has been expanded through your studies of wine. Oh, of course. I think if if they're not, you're probably doing it wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, wine is a complete history of the world. That that was one of the things that drew me to it. You know, initially, of course, it's, you know, you swirl your glass, you sip the wine, it's delicious, you feel very fancy. But then as you really dive into the history of, of how these things actually happened, you can't help but to want to learn more and more and more and more. And yes, I think one of the things that I I discovered early-ish was my first trip to a, another wine region in, in the Languedoc. And I realized that culture and wine are married. You know, in those regions, that is where what grows together goes together comes from. You know, they are one and the same. And there's a reason some of these wines taste the way that they do and they go with the foods that they do. And that's as a as a lover of the world as a lover of travel those things are just they captivate me i mean they're the things that that make me want to get on a plane and and fly 15 hours across the world to go see another another culture and and wine really is the catalyst for that it's you know it can be such a time capsule but it can also be a portal to a whole other world and that is just i mean that's the most special thing and and to me, you know, being in this industry is my Absolutely. ability to, to see both. Absolutely. You know, when you pick up that bottle and perhaps it's 50 years old, you sort of tend to think, my goodness, what was it like when they made this wine? And, you know, your ideas, your, your um, thoughts. Now, you are obviously very successful on social media, Amanda. So, you know, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest, how important has it been for you to have platforms like the TikTok, Instagram, or the YouTube to propel and grow your career to where it is today? Oh, I mean, it can't be any other number but 10, right? <laughs> uh, these things are everything. I mean, it, it is a way to access the world. It's a way to be a somebody at scale. It's a way to 
learn. I mean, if you're not learning from other people, you know, halfway across the world, they're asking you questions, you know, that's an opportunity to, to become a better wine professional, to become a better sommelier. But of course, you know, it's been hugely instrumental to my career, something that I think I probably adopted on the earlier side for the wine industry, but something that I'm so excited that the rest has kind of come up and and caught on to certainly after uh, you know the world shut down social media became a, a huge instrument and so I'm so thankful that we have it because if we didn't I'm not sure where we would be right now you know I'm not sure that we would have the success or the wineries would have had the success that they did in those months where we couldn't have visitors to Napa Valley where we couldn't have guests in our restaurant it was a way to communicate with each other and and to me that's everything. I mean, wine is meant to be shared amongst humans and enjoyed amongst friends. And that's really what social media allows us to do. And of course, TikTok gives us a little more fun. We get to express ourselves in new ways and fun ways. And if you're not having fun while you're doing this, then, you know, I don't, I don't know why you're in this industry. <laughs> it is the most totally, fun. I totally agree with you. But you know, Amanda, there, there is a plethora. There's an army, of, a vast horde of you know um, aspiring social media influencers but yet it's always those few that rise to the top if you were to share perhaps two or three strategies what would you share with those within the group that want to break away and and aspire to be someone like you what what mm -hmm. what advice would you give them well there's two mantras that i live by that i think are perhaps applicable here one comes from when I was back in my acting days and I had a, a great, uh, great coach who always <laughs> said, and my mom used to love to drum it down, always made sure that she reminded me of this. And, and he always said, you're always on an audition where no matter where you are, who you're with, what you're doing, you're always on an audition. And that I think has really kept me alive and awake and mm. aware of what it is that I'm posting. It has always been something in my brain that I, I don't think that I can turn off where, you know, it's you're for me, this has always been something that I, 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 I've always wanted to communicate with, with the world, right. I've always wanted to have this voice. And so if I'm auditioning to be able to do that on a daily basis, that's what I keep in mind. And I would encourage others who are maybe going down the same path to figure out what it is that you want to communicate with the world and remember that they're always watching you know, no matter what you're putting out there, they're always watching. The other mantra is a more recent one that I, I came across a few years ago uh, from Steve Martin about people, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite actors. And he said, uh, I think he was, he was talking about coming up in, in the seventies as an actor. And he said, be so good. They can't ignore you. And I love that. I think that again, encapsulates what it you know because it's not just hard work you know a lot of people put in hard work it's not just luck but to be good to be good enough to where you think that you're good and it, it's not a it's not a it's not an ego thing but to really put out content that you think is great that you think is good enough to share with the world eventually that cream does rise to the top you know eventually they won't be able to ignore you eventually you will get to where you want to be. And so I've lived by that, be so good, they can't ignore you. Now, the other part of, you know, the, the other third tip I guess I would give is 
be open and adaptable. Um, these platforms are, it's technology, it changes at a much more rapid pace than wine ever will. And for that reason, you need to be willing and able to port yourself over to whatever that next platform is, to whatever the next trend is. You know, don't resist the change, embrace the change, have fun, smile, go with it. Be whoever that authentic self is to you on whatever platform that is, uh, that is working at the time. And right now it's TikTok is the platform of, of the era. It is you know, something that I probably fought for too long and I'm loving. I really, really enjoy being on TikTok. It's still relatively new, but it's so much fun. I think once you sort of like twist your mind around the fact that it's not just people dancing to songs or lip singing things that you can actually add value, which is, you know, maybe the other thing is I'm always trying to add value. You can have a lot of fun while doing it if you have that exercise, that creative constraint within each various platform. Oh, I, I, I think the, the, the premise and your philosophy, you know, improvise, adapt, innovate, be determined. I love it. I love the aspect of always, um, you are auditioning. Mm -hmm. I think I think that 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 is a wonderful um, a principle for aspiring uh, social uh, media. In fact, anyone who wants to aspire to success should should take heed of those words. Now, I create content. You create content, and we know that it is an art. It is not something, and having a theatrical background certainly uh, has has its advantages. But yet there's always that ideal space that you need to have to create that content. Where do you happen to do that? Is it sort of uh, when you're relaxing, you, 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 um, you know, you're having a glass of wine, your feet are up, it's been a hard day, or are there, is there a certain space that, that you, you think, right, don't disturb me, this is Amanda at work, and this is how I, I'm going to find my content. How? No, I I wish that I, <laughs> I wish I had like a good answer because I think some people do. You know, they're like I. You know, I work really well from you know this hour to this hour. I will say that in my life, I because I think I've always been on a sort of acting schedule or restaurant schedule. I do. My brain does tend to turn on in that like three to seven area. You know, when you'd either be like on stage or on the floor as a right, mom. right, right, right. But um, but no, you know, I think like when it comes to creating content. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think sometimes like I've, I've woken up in the, in the morning, like I, I put out a reel or a TikTok a couple months ago and I was, I was in the car. I'll never forget. I was in the car driving in South Florida. I had Justin Bieber on the radio and, or on Spotify, I guess. And I had this song Peaches and I'm listening okay. to it. And I was like, this is like, this is a cool jam. Listen to the lyrics. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, he's talking about terroir. And it was at 10 o'clock in the morning in the middle of South Florida, driving down the freeway. And I was like, and that was where my inspiration struck. So, I mean, I guess it can come from anywhere. I don't think there's any one particular place, but uh, I do like quiet. I do like to have my own space. I don't, you know, I, I, I'll definitely ask people to stay out of the way if I'm in a shared space. Um, I don't like to, to have an audience when I'm creating content, but, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, it happens when it happens. You, you get it done and you know how it goes. You just creating content, you just get it done. However, however you can, whether that's on a plane or in the car or, you know, in a studio by yourself. 
It could even just be a, a, a particular word yeah. that someone is having a conversation with. Right, I have it. I know what you're talking about. Exactly, and exactly. So, you know, th there are different uh, generations. There's millennials. You know, we hear about the Gen X and Z. And Amanda, is there a particular audience you cater for and why? Well, my my Instagram and YouTube demographics would suggest yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Instagram suggests that I, I work uh, well between the ages of 25 and 45, mostly female, but mm -hmm. only by a, a hair. And then YouTube, which is actually a more male-dominated platform, uh, that skews a little bit older and, and is a heavily male demographic. Who do, but who I cater to, I guess, who my my avatar is that I'm always speaking to, yeah. that never changes. Who's watching may change, but that never changes. And that is most certainly my my 25-year-old, 26-year-old self who was very hungry for information, who didn't want it distilled down too much, who but who didn't want someone to speak to her in a pedantic way. And so I, I always sort of keep that that woman in mind, that girl in mind, living in New York, hungry for information. Give me the give me the facts, but not too quickly, uh, and and in a way that I can digest um, and leave feeling like I I learned a little something in the process. That's always been my motivating avatar person, whoever you want to whatever you want to call it. That that's that's spectacularly insightful, Amanda. You know, from that young 25-year-old New York City uh, bred uh, uh, girl that you mentioned to now, a very successful lady who is still on the rise, what, what has been the most challenging aspect for you in your career so far? Uh, um, you know, I, I suspect you probably go through, the, I think everyone goes through this, but... Uh, I'm an, I guess I'm an entrepreneur now. And I guess to some extent, I've always been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And the, you know, the, the trajectory as we're talking about it right now looks like this, right? It's of course. This, like up and to the right. But the reality of that trajectory is really more like this, right? Peaks and valleys. And there are very low lows and there are very high highs. And I still experience them every single day. I mean, two days ago, really great news. Yesterday, not so great news. And so those, those are the challenges that I think come on a more daily basis or, or more frequent basis that I find myself having to work through personally. You know, I've, I've, of course, I'm sure, you know, experienced the same setbacks that most people have mm -hmm. in, in any career. And so I, you know, they're challenges, but I don't think they're unique, nor do I think that what I'm experiencing is unique. But I think that the challenges that I experience, you know, on this more frequent day-to-day -day basis are the ones where you start to doubt yourself a little bit, where you, you know, you're not validated by the people that you thought should be validating you. And so those are the challenges that I think are, are the most difficult, but also the ones that you just kind of have to learn to embrace at a certain point. You know, they feel not great at the time, but I, I've definitely gotten used to the fact that they're going to happen and the sun will come out tomorrow. It will be okay. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what, what, what uh, I would like to share with the audience is, you know, you are polished, you are sophisticated, you are glamorous. But I'm sure that many people don't realize how hard 
the hardships that you've experienced, as you mentioned, the ups and the downs. And yet it's the resilience that you have that has taken you to where you are. And that's why I sincerely believe that this is only the beginning for you, Amanda. Oh, I, so, I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Some, someone will always be there to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy, and that you don't belong here. And that's okay. Oh, I'm, that's... I'm sure you, you have literally <laughs> thousands of uh, comments that come from the social oh, media. YouTube is brutal. You I'm sure that? you know that. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. How do you deal with it? Do, do you... Oh, I laugh. I laugh now, but there was a period where I really, I really got upset. Um, yeah, I mean, mostly I'll just screenshot them and send them to my family because they kind of get a kick out of it, and then we can all laugh together. But you know, it, it comes with the territory, right? You you put yourself out there, whether it's yes. on stage or whether it's on YouTube. You put yourself mm -hmm. out there. You're not always going to get a positive response. That's life. You're right, and I think what's remarkable is some of the comments that one would never have thought would have left someone's <laughs> brain, let alone transport onto their fingertips, you know, yes. and to actually write it down. Yeah. It's amazing oh. what happens when you've got a screen between you and another person. <laughs> but now onto something else. Amanda, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Well, I'll just get out my crystal. Well, no, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Oh man, in five years, I, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a good answer. No, um, in in five years, I, because you flow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have a lot of, um, a lot of business ideas. Uh, but honestly, I, and I, I'm, I say this with all sincerity, I looked at, my life the other day. I had the coolest day the other day. I got to, I posted on Instagram. I got to board a private jet for through. It was a wheels up Boeing Boeing business jet yeah, seven thirty seven. I saw that. I yeah, saw that. I got to board a jet. I had flown down that morning to Palm Beach. I boarded the jet. I poured some wine. I got off, and that was my day. My life right now is such that I can do those things. Like when Wheels Up calls me and says, "Can you do this?" I can say yes. You know, I didn't work at a restaurant. I didn't have that luxury. Of but course. now I get to like, I get to travel all the time. I, you know, I got to go to Aspen and be a speaker at the Food and Wine Classic. Yes. I mean, when I say that I'm living my best life, I really truly mean it. I get to do all of the things that I dreamed of doing as a 25-year-old female in, in New York City. And I'm so, so, so lucky. You know, I think like I'm sort of tempting fate by even trying to speculate where I might be in five years. I'd love to own, you know, a, a, some sort of brick and mortar business. I'd love to have, you know, some sort of commerce. But the reality is I'm loving where I am right now. And uh, I'd love to just be able to continue on whatever this trajectory is that um, seems to reveal itself in in due time. Yeah. And you, you are literally carpe diem, seizing yeah. the day. So that's, <laughs> exactly. that, that, that's splendid. That's splendid. Now, I'm often asked the question, uh, which I'm going to ask you, and I would love to know, what's your favorite wine and pairing, Amanda? Mm. Well, my favorite wine pairing, and this is this is like me because I don't always put on a black laser and slick my hair back uh, for everything. My favorite is when I'm like in my in my sweats, my PJs, probably in a robe because I own about ten of them. I, I'm a I'm a sucker <laughs> for robes. I love robes. 
um, in a robe, uh, a glass of Chardonnay and a bowl of popcorn. And that is like, that's my happy place. So. Okay. Okay. I mean, you know, and um, I I think um, that really just shows the the openness, the flexibility of your character and the length (laughs) and breadth of the experience that you've had. And um, I, I think it's so heartwarming to hear that. Now, yeah. Amanda, do you feel that understanding different cultures and history is important, especially when learning about wine? And why would you say so? Oh, it's it's imperative. I mean, to to truly understand wine is is to understand the culture. I mean, it is to understand it. Like it goes back to what I said before with what grows together goes together, and that first moment in in the Languedoc really seeing the people and and how they embrace each other and cook with each other and the sort of literal je ne sais quoi, you know, feel of that region. Um, That is a culture. You know, you go to Greece and you understand that that there is a culture there. There is a reason that these wines are being made the way that they are. You can feel that energy in a wine and, and not in, you know, any sort of maybe there is, you know, sort of an, an energy that I'm not privy to, but you know, I, I feel like, to understand a wine's personality. And I do believe wines have personalities in in tandem with their flavors and their textures. They do have a sort of personality energy that they give off. That is to understand the reasoning, the psychology, the culture behind the decisions that were made to farm that land, to make that wine, to bottle it in the way they they did, to choose that label. And I think that is part of wine that is part of why we spend $30 on a bottle of wine and and don't reach for the $5 jug wine. That's okay too, but if we're talking about the kinds of wines that we're talking about, that is kind of why we pay the premium is to feel that that culture, to feel that personality that that exists within the wine. That's that's amazing. You know, I I would just like to end off Amanda with a quotation from my late father who said that if you love life don't waste time, for that is what life is made up of. And I'd like to share with the viewers that they are seeing through you a true example of someone who's taking each moment and time and living it to the fullest and wanting to achieve the best. So from us here at the Apwazi Wine Buzz interview, we wish you the very best and you have been a great great guest of ours and it's been our enormous pleasure to have interviewed you and we wish you continued success Amanda in all your endeavors and we will be watching out for you thank you Uh, so much the pleasure was all mine thank you so much for having me you've been listening to wine buzz podcast if you enjoyed this podcast then please leave a review or share it with a friend Apwazi is an online wine and spirit institution dedicated to promoting culture and diversity through the world of education. If you're looking to get started, we have a free online course that we are giving out to all our listeners. For more information, head to apwazi.com. That's A-P-W-A-S-I.com.